Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, you can kind of feel the glide towards the weekend here on a Wednesday night. Everything the rest of the way is smooth. It's easy sailing, right? Thursday, Friday, forget about it. Enjoy it. Set up a meeting, get out early, happy hour, whatever it takes. But it's football. It's football. It's football. Right? Nothing else matters in Duval except for this ball game coming up on Saturday night. It's great to have you with us. My name is Rick Ballou with you tonight till 8 o'clock. That is the deal Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow night, Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. 6 to 8, Friday back here. And plenty of guests scheduled over the next three days. You know, the buzz for this one is what you would expect. It's building uh, day by day. And, and this one's pretty difficult to figure out. As we head towards Wild Card Weekend, it's really interesting in that all six games that are going to be played Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night are all rematches. It's only the fifth time since the NFL merger back in 1970 where we have had this. And it's been commonplace in the NFL. As a matter of fact, few of these games are meeting for a third time, right? Buffalo, Miami, they split. Cincinnati and Baltimore, they played last week. They split. Uh, You have uh, two up, San Fran over Seattle, even though they've gone with three different quarterbacks. They're a massive favorite in that game. And you had some, you know, you had some others that were one-sided. Dallas over Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, 38-10 in week three in Los Angeles. The most impressive win during the 2022 season was that game. And it's so ironic because here we are, getting ready for this matchup, and you're starting to hear an awful lot of, oh, you can't look back. You know, you can't go to that game that was played back in late September. And typically around here, if we were to go to a scenario like that, it was always because of what? Jacksonville lost, right? Jacksonville got beat up. Jacksonville got taken to the woodshed. Uh Uh-uh. This is the exact opposite. This all of a sudden becomes a... Hey, don't read too many of the press clippings before this ball game because you don't want to show up overconfident. I don't think that is going to be the case. To me, it's pretty simple. You have to get better on offense. I'm not sure what's happened in the last three games. The offense has certainly gone away. Trevor Lawrence has only thrown one touchdown pass in three games. You look at L.A., they're playing better football. They're 4-1 and one in their last five. We know that Jacksonville's won all five straight. But what's really interesting here, and regardless of these numbers, I'm going to go the other way. LA's only allowed 15 points a game in their last five. Jacksonville's only allowed 15.8 points in their last five. I think it's a high-scoring 
matchup. I think you need at least 30 to win this game on Saturday night. As a matter of fact, when it's all said and done, I'm going to give you my prediction. And the final score is going to be, I can tell you right now, 34 to 31. So, how is that going to happen? What team will bend, right? LA's terrible against the run. They can't stop it. Jacksonville is still very bad against the pass. You know, Jacksonville, no matter which way you look at it, it just hasn't been an impressive season for the Jaguars when it comes to getting to the quarterback, when it comes to um, third down conversion rate, when it comes down to their red zone conversion rate. Defensively, they are the definition of bend and do not break. I mean, obviously, they got so much better this year in in points per game. I mean, last year, what, two years ago, they were 31 or 30.7. It was the worst in franchise history for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this past year, they were 26.9. Well, they improved it by another, you know, nearly six and a half points. Their scoring defense has gone from 26.9 to 20.6, but still, They're giving up a lot of yardage, particularly in the air, where they're 28th in the NFL against the pass. And here we go, a 24-year-old quarterback against a 23-year-old quarterback. Far more similarities between these two teams than differences between these two teams. But the one glaring aspect is one team can't defend the run, L.A. The other team can't defend the pass, Jacksonville. What happens when it's all said and done? We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about it tomorrow night and Friday night as well. To me, there's so many different ways to look at a game, right? I mean, it's offense, it's defense, it's special teams. And don't dismiss special teams. Don't you dare. How great were they for Duval last week? To me, Logan Cook was the MVP. Right? Riley Patterson, who was full go today. I know there are concerns right now with Riley Patterson and you know, what is, uh, what is happening as far as his knee? He was able to go out there today, and Heath, Far- uh, Heath Farwell, as a matter of fact, do we have that, J.J., with Heath? Um, let's, let's get to that right now. Number one, uh, you don't hear from the special teams coordinator all that much, and that's typically a good thing because, to me, that's similar to, um, you know, a tackle, a left or right tackle or – or maybe a deep snapper or something along those lines. When you, when you hear from positions like that and guys like that, it's always because something bad has happened. But when you look at the special teams unit and just how incredible they were this past Saturday against Tennessee, they're going to be a huge factor this time around again with Los Angeles. Today, Heath Farwell was asked about the health of kicker Riley Patterson. You know, obviously Riley missed yesterday. That was more just he was a little bit sore. I, we kind of held him out. Uh, there's He's going to be full go today. Uh, not a concern at all. Yeah, not a concern. He's great. He's doing fine. It's great news. Huge news. I mean, it's, it's, it's enormous. It's, it's not, uh, you know, I imagine if you're heading to a bar right now and you're meeting some cronies, I don't think it's going to be the top of your conversation piece, but it's it's something that you need. And You know, if you look at the four core guys, and I'm not talking about coverage guys. I'm talking about the four real specialists. Ross Matasek, the back, uh, the deep snapper on the injured report, did not work today. Just talked about Riley Patterson, your kicker, okay? Missed yesterday, back today. 
it, it appears that he is trending up. They still have on their practice squad, if you forgot, James McCourt is a place kicker. He is on, uh, again, the practice squad. Jamal Agnew is not 100% right now. And, you know, what he did last week in the ball game was was absolutely filthy. If, if you look at his 54-yard kick return, let me give you these numbers one more time because it deserves recognition to see what you got out of your special teams on Saturday was nothing short of being completely spectacular. Jamal Agnew, four kick returns, 125 yards, 31.3 yards a return. We were told that the kicking game is dead, that you need a good punt returner, but the days of returning kicks are basically obsolete. Uh Uh-uh. That wasn't the deal this last Saturday in Jacksonville. Also, Agnew returned two punts for 33 yards. Uh, so that's an average of 16 and a half. This guy got six at bats for 158 yards. Can't say enough about it for Jamal Agnew. And then again, Logan Cook, I think, is arguably the pro bowler uh, when it comes to punting the football. So, that is something right there that that you absolutely cannot overlook. So, once again, when you break down a game, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, enter Doug Peterson, 4-2 and two lifetime in the playoffs, including a Super Bowl. Here comes Brandon Staley, fresh off a tremendous amount of criticism for playing his players, Deep into the ball game this past Saturday, or I guess it was a Sunday game, folks are wondering, why are you doing this? And, you know, what happens? Austin Eckler takes a mammoth blow. Eckler is, um, there's not a way to describe him outside of scary. I mean, this man caught 107 footballs this year, okay? He ran it 204 times. You know, we're talking well over 300 touches. We're talking well over 1,700, or make that over 1,600 yards in the line of scrimmage. In 18 touchdowns in 17 games. That that has mismatch written all over it, in my opinion. But we'll get back to that in just a couple of minutes because I'm on Brandon Staley right now, who left Eckler in, Joey Boza. Really no reason to play him, right? He's missed the entire year. He went out the first time that Jacksonville faced him. He missed, like, what, 10 straight games? Came back, played a week ago. You played him a couple of days ago. He was limping off the field. Mike Williams was limping off the field. He was not spotted at practice today in Los Angeles with what was called a back contusion, and apparently he avoided a massive injury. But, you know, that whole conversation that we had here, and you as JAG fans, for the most part, I'm not going to stereotype the entire group of you, but most said play him. Play him against Houston. Play these guys in that meaningless game. Same situation last week. It was meaningless for L.A., in a lot of circles, yet Brandon Staley played his players deep into the game. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching. And then you get to the intangibles, okay? Jacksonville, home date, fired up crowd. L.A.'s bringing no one. If, if you know, if you're aware of a Los Angeles Chargers fan anywhere in Jacksonville, Please give him the phone number, 641-1010, because I will put him immediately on the show. There, are, There is not, not one Los Angeles Chargers fan 
in this town. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people who come from different parts of the country here uh, to Duval, including yourself, uh, including myself, uh, and many others here at this radio station. The L.A. Chargers, though, uh uh-uh. I expect them to have about 500 fans in attendance. That means you can have 70,000-plus representing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also, L.A., they're not a good outdoors team. They're only one in three outside this year. Okay, they played most of their games in a dome. Obviously, uh, out there in L.A., they have that hole in the roof, uh, but this is not a good team. And they should actually, they're about as close as you can be uh, to being zero and four outdoors. It took a last-second field goal uh, to... um, you know, to knock off uh, Cleveland. It was a 53-yarder that was the difference maker in that particular game. If not, we're talking about a team that is and 0-4 outside this year. And the travel is going to be difficult, okay? The waiting around and preparation, getting ready for a night game, I think uh, will be more difficult for others. The one overbearing statistic that I can't get past And to me, it is pretty simple. If you live by this number and stay after this number, Jacksonville wins the game. You got to go back to 1959, the last time that a run defense allowed 5.4 yards a carry. The Los Angeles Chargers suck when it comes to defending the run. I think you could line up the Golden Girls, and give the ball to Rosie O'Donnell, and she would pick up 5.4 yards in a cloud of dust. Can you imagine what this offensive line is going to do with Travis Etienne after he was shut down last Saturday night against Tennessee? It's a historical number, 5.4. Think about that. First down, the give to Etienne. That's a pickup of five, five and a half. So you got it second and five or second and four. You run it again first down, and, you know, you're going to have to pass as well to win. I get it. You're going to have to be a balanced attack. Certainly, L.A. is going to do everything that they can to try to prevent teams from running and credit Los Angeles. They've gotten better. Again, over the last five weeks, they're only allowing 15 points a game. That is a significant improvement. However, three of the last four weeks, they've still allowed 100-yard rushers. This is a big opportunity for Travis Etienne in this rushing offense. And, you know, whether it's pass first, the setup, the run, is Jacksonville talented enough right now to just line up against L.A. and say, we're going to run it on first down, we're going to run it on second down, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're going to mix in some play action or 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 run up a, uh, a pass play when, you know, the whole building thinks that it's going to end up being – a run play. I, I don't know the answer to that question. We're going to have to see how all of this plays out, but I can't get over that number. 5.4. Big challenge for Ronaldo Hill and that defensive staff. And, and by the way, it's a defense that when they did play earlier this year, okay, Boza went out with the injury. Um, J.C. Jackson, the highly priced uh, corner that they acquired from New England as a free agent, didn't play. And he's not going to play in this one. He's still on the injured reserve. But for the most part, it was the offensive guys who weren't able to give it a go, right? Remember the center, Corey Lindsey, couldn't play? Remember Keenan 
Uh, Allen could not play. Over the last five weeks, no one has caught more balls in the NFL than Keenan Allen. Okay, he's caught 50 balls in five weeks. He has been absolutely on fire. And, you know, when healthy, him and Herbert have a very good uh, passing, uh, the, the, the football type of relationship. Donald Parham didn't play as well, the tight end, the first time that they met. And, you know, Herbert was coming back. We saw it on national television where he could barely throw the football because of his rib injury, yet he gutted it out. He was okay in that first meeting. Uh, but I just wanted you to remember that. Hey, for the Jags, things were different too. Chad Muma didn't get off the bench outside of special teams. James Robinson ran it for over 100 yards. All right, Darius Williams was not on the island. He was not playing a cover corner position outside of Tyson Campbell. And there were others. I want to say that's when Ben Barch went down. It was either week two or week three when Barch went down. Right? Cam played. He's down. Smoot played. He's down. So Shaq Griffin played. He's down. So there are starters out on both sides. If you want to look back at that early game, have at it. Uh, But I, I just don't think it is incredibly telling as to what to expect coming up on Saturday night. All right. I'm thrilled to be here. I really am. JJ, you telling me that tonight we are on YouTube as well again? We are on YouTube. Let me say and, hello uh, to everyone out there on YouTube. We actually have our one Chargers fan oh, in Duval. Is he on the line? Has called us, yes. Well, we're going to make him wait until after okay. the break. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, listen, I didn't think we had one. <laughs> But I'm sure as hell going to make him wait until after the break. I mean, if it was uh, um, whomever, we'd put him immediately on. But, you know, I'm get, I feel like I'm getting 2023 off to the right start when it comes to hitting posts on time. You know what I'm saying? That's last night we didn't get a job, <laughs> so maybe we skipped that. Well, well, was that late. was, that was, was late. last night. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, all right, we will hear from a Chargers fan on the other side. We also want to hear from you. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Jag fans, thoughts on Saturday. Opening comments brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Sleeping in your contacts is the worst thing that you can do for your eyes, period. And a lot of you do it. You know why? You're lazy. And I get it. You go to bed, you're watching the tube, you're reading, you're flipping between reading glasses and your regular glasses, and all of a sudden... You start the doze off, and you're like, damn, I got to get up and take out my contacts. You don't want to take out your contacts. It's totally unsanitary, all right? It could, it could create diseases. It could create all sorts of different things. It's just one of the many tips that they offer up at Schmunez Vision. They're a family organization out at the beach, high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cordia and cataract surgery, all refractive surgery. Maybe you're a candidate for laser eye surgery. One of my good friends and another sponsor here, Dr. Shanatri, is getting his eyes done. He's a young pup. He's like 35. He's like, I'm, I've had it. I can't find my readers. I can't find my car. I'm going to get laser eye surgery. Imagine the rest of your days never having to worry about your eyesight again. Make an appointment at Schmunez Vision. That is 299-2906. Or go to schmunezvision.com. Care you can see. We are jam-packed on this Wednesday. It's great to have you with us. He's JJ. I'm Rick Ballou. This is Into the Night.
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, rest in peace, the great Jeff Beck. He passed today at the age of 78. And, you know, I, I didn't entirely get the Jeff Beck scenario, if you will. You know, I mean, part of the Yardbirds, but he was right there with Paige and Clapton and all of those icons that uh, came across the pond. I, I did get a chance to see him in London. He actually played like a few hours before the Jaguars game one year. I don't remember who the Jaguars opponent was, but it was pretty cool to watch him on guitar. Ne- never really played in a massive band, though, you know, outside of the Yardbirds, which, um, you know, went away too quick. Obviously, uh played with Rod Stewart here, but he's gone. 78. And I'm not trying to dismiss him as a guitar player. He just never really played in a in a in a notable uh rock and roll band. And and I, you know, the Yardbirds were phenomenal. There's no question about it. But they didn't last all that long. Anyway, he's gone at the age of 78. Man, we're losing way, way, way too many people. Just terrible. Bacterial meningitis is what he passed of. I think he died late last night. Of course, they're what? Six hours ahead of us uh, there. So um, rest in peace, Jeff Beck. All right. Text line already burning up. A lot of people, um, yeah, asking me a bunch of questions about this and that and this and that. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable about answering uh, some of these questions, um, just I'll, I'll leave it at that. They're they're a non-football uh, related question. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to do that as well. And you know what? Let me let me grab a couple of calls instead. I don't want to go off topic, right? I mean that's that's kind of what you're supposed to do. I mean, here's a guy asking me how my golf game is. Well, my golf game sucks. Right? I mean, my golf game sucks because I've only been playing like maybe three times a month or so because it's football season. I don't have time to go out and play golf. And that's going to change. We've only got what? Six games this weekend. We'll have what? Four next weekend, right? And then we'll have four, or excuse me, then we'll have two, and then we'll have one. So that's six and four is 10. We have 13 games remaining, JJ. 13 football games left. And the Jags have what, four? <laughs> hey, why not? Yeah. Latest installment. I, I know you believe. LA minus one. All the money's coming in on LA. We're going to check in with the Philly Godfather in 15 minutes. What's going on with that? What do they know here that we do not know? L.A.'s a big market. L.A.'s more of a, can we call them more of a, of a national team? I mean, I remember the horror stories, the trips to San Diego, where the Chargers just did whatever they wanted against the Jaguars. Remember the Phillip Rivers run that one year where he went like 30 yards on like third and 17 or something crazy like that? I remember that. that, but I remember him screaming in Yannick Ngakwe's face after a long touchdown. Mm-hmm. Best of luck to Unique. He had he had throat surgery. I didn't hear that. Yeah, he missed the last couple games. So, 
you know, it's his livelihood. He's a free agent again. I mean, when it's all said and done, Unique Ngakwe is going to play for every single team in the National Football League. You you realize Reggie that. Sanders of the NFL. <laughs> that is going to happen. I we I'm told that we have a Chargers fan here in Duval. He is Robert, and he is first up with Rick Bully. Welcome. Rick, how you doing? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Chargers fan down in Jacksonville. Okay. Hard to believe it, I know. Not many of you. Not many of us, but uh should be a good game. I don't love us laying a point, but, uh, you know, taking Chargers money line for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, your defense has gotten better over the last five weeks. What's changed? I think just people coming back from injuries. Uh, I think the, the game plan has shifted a little bit as well. Um, definitely want to touch when you were saying Rosie O'Donnell would get some yards. You're not giving her as much credit as uh, she she deserves. But uh, to switch it up, a little shout-out to uh, my boy Walker Little just developing massive holds for ET, and I feel like the run game for you guys have been uh, transparent with uh, with Walker Little in there. How about that? Yeah, I mean, they've only allowed 28 sacks all year. That's fifth best in the NFL. Walker Little, since he's been put in is has allowed only one sack so you watch the Jaguars and you watch the Chargers final question uh Jacksonville struggled in coverage particularly with you know linebackers and and, and some things along those lines how do they match up against Austin uh, Austin Eckler man I mean that's the name of the game I would do instead of a QB spy almost a running back spy on Eckler because he catches most of his balls out of the backfield with two to three yard dumps from uh, Herbert. But uh, I mean, I think it's a good, good matchup for Allen for you guys. Um, I think it'll be fun to see. Um, and I think we got to get him involved in order to, to make some progress with Mike, uh, Mike Williams being, you know, TBD. I don't think he'll be suiting up. So should be a great game. I love the one point, uh, one point line, make it uh, the closest game of the, the weekend. So I'll All be right. tuning in for sure. All right, Robert. Now, will you be going with Jag fans? I, I can't imagine there being a lot of Charger fans here. All Jag fans. Yeah, All I Jag thought so. Are uh, you a good uh, sport a about win-win. it? Yep. Enjoy the game. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Take All right. care. There he goes. He's an LA fan and, and, and he's a he's a cool. He sounds like he's, he's very a Jag polite. fan. Sounds like he's like, yeah. Can you imagine if that was a Philly fan? <laughs> oh my God! Or We're someone like that? You guys, I mean, losers. Yeah, I, all kinds of stuff. I, I don't know what Which to make. I would enjoy more. Well, yeah, but I don't know what to make out of um, out of Los Angeles. I, I don't, and I, I'm not a hater. I'm not, and you know, I perhaps I was early in life only because of the great rivalry between the Celtics and the Lakers, but you know that was over towards the late '80s. I. I've just never really been able to understand their sports mentality. I mean, even Chavez Ravine and when it was in Anaheim and before that when they were the California Angels, I mean, they've always been known for showing up in the second and leaving in the seventh. And what is the greatest California fan base? Dodgers. Why do I want to say the Oakland Raiders? Oh, past and present. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, what what sticks out? I mean, I'd like to see USC football, but during their down years, that Coliseum it's, was it's bare. It's very much like Miami, you know, like the city. You're not getting people to go to your games unless you're a winner. There's far too much 
Yeah. The oh, Lakers would have to be one. On. The oh, Lakers. Oh yeah, that's a dumb. That's dumb of me, of course. The, but but that's, you know that that's got kind of the the who's who feel of you know celebrities and stars. How are the Lakers doing when they're not playing well? But I, I'm with you. I, I still think they get a pretty decent crowd. Yeah, I, I probably Lakers and Dodgers are probably it. Um, I, you know, I don't even know who else would come close to that. I, I've been to a Los Angeles Kings hockey game. That's not going to be the case. San oh, Jose, awesome. San Jose. You know what? We probably need to give a little bit of credit to say, and I'm talking LA here. San Francisco's got some pretty good fans. San Francisco Giants in baseball have some good fans. Um, Niners do. Golden State in hoops got some good fans. Certainly the old school 49. You see today was 41 years to the day of the Dwight Clark catch. It was the final football game that Vin Scully ever did. Vin Scully on the call with Hank Stram. I didn't even know he did football games. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely did during uh, during that period. Of, uh, of time. Let's even things up here and get a uh, Jaguar call in as well. EJ is next. Welcome. Go ahead and turn down the volume there, EJ, and then you and I could just talk one-on-one. Welcome. All right, let's get rid of EJ. I, you know, and I understand that we, we, we don't take calls the way that we used to. Remember sports radio? It was call after call after call after call. It's... It's really not that way anymore, but if you do call in, you got to turn on your radio, all right? If not, we're not going to be able to get anywhere uh, with you. So I, I just wanted to make that point. Hey, it looks like two quarterbacks are not going to play this weekend. Two of the concussion. You got Teddy Bridgewater with the dislocated pinky. So it's going to be Skylar Thompson going into Buffalo trying to win a playoff game. Again, they'll meet for the third time. Lamar Jackson, the knee, still not known, but it looks like it's going to be Tyler Huntley. And of course, they faced one another a week ago. They'll go into Cincinnati to try to win that playoff game. Now, we had 10 firings a year ago in the NFL, 10 of them. Five new coaches are going to the playoffs. 50% of the new coaches hired are going to the playoffs. And we've had, what, two firings? Lovey Smith was fired. Nate Hackett was fired. But you've got Doug Peterson going for the first time. Also in the AFC, you have Mike McDaniel in Miami. And you have three NFC teams with first-time head coaches who are going. Brian Dayball in New York. Todd Bowles, who took over in Tampa. And Minnesota's Kevin O'Connell. So how about that? In this win-now league where I, I still think a lot of these coaches get fired perhaps ahead of when they actually should, five of the top, you know, five of the ten teams that changed are in the playoffs. And you, know, you talk about a remarkable turnaround by certainly here with Doug Peterson. I mean, this team went two and six, and then this team went six and two. It's just phenomenal. And there you go. The very latest as we get ready for this game. Coming up on Saturday between the Jaguars and the Chargers. All right, I'll give you the very latest as far as health. And it's better news today than it was yesterday for Jacksonville. I'll give you the very latest. You just heard from a caller who's not expecting Mike Williams to play. He was not spotted earlier in practice. I do not know 
if L.A. has officially sent out their injury report, uh, obviously they are uh, several hours. They're three hours behind us, and they have. Okay, so I have an updated injury report on Los Angeles. It's basically the same as yesterday. I'll give you the full report later, but Mike Williams uh, remains the you know the big one there. Uh, DNPs both on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, that's it. Everyone else: Joey Boza, Bryce Callahan, Xander Horvath, uh, Kenneth Murray, Raheem Lane, and Trey Pipkins the third all practice in full for a second consecutive day uh, for Jacksonville. The major upgrade was uh, Riley Patterson, who, with the right knee, didn't work yesterday. He did practice in full today. Uh, Kendrick Pryor was added to the injury report today with a shoulder. He was limited. So that is the only change for the Jaguars. The others, such as Trevor Lawrence, Jamal Agnew, Ross Matisik, and Brendan Sheriff, were all limited for second consecutive days except for Matisik who with his back has not worked yesterday or today. They did sign a backup deep snapper and Garrison Sanborn. We told you earlier in the program, and you knew this, that the Jaguars as well have a backup kicker on the practice squad with James McCord. So if something can't happen or work there at either kicker or deep snapper, they do have a couple of guys on the practice squad in a pinch. Let's check the money. Let's do it next with the Philly Godfather. Let's look at Jacksonville. And Los Angeles, uh, how about the other games in this state? Pretty bizarre to, to look at, you know, these three teams. And I guess with the Giants and maybe Seattle, they're really the bottom of the barrel if you were to rank teams 1 through 14. Now, Jacksonville's ahead of Miami, and in most circles, Jacksonville's ahead of Tampa Bay, but you're talking about double-digit teams. You know, Seattle you could put in there, New York you could put in there. Outside of that, that's the way it basically is. Jackson will probably come in around 10 out of the 14 teams who do remain. But how have things gone as far as the money so far this week, the bets that have been made, and the amount of money that has been spent? We'll give you the very latest. The Philly Godfather joins Rick Ballou on the other side. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, let's bring in the Philly Godfather. Typically, we have his theme music, but with the passing of Jeff Beck, we are uh, playing some old school uh, Jeff Beck, including some Yardbirds. Sounds like Rod Stewart. This is actually, I ain't superstitious. This is Jeff Beck this actually ch- singing, I believe. Really? I didn't know he had it in him. I could be wrong about that. All right, let's bring in the Philly Godfather. Uh, he joins us each and every week, and uh, it's always a pleasure. How are you, Philly Godfather? So great after that big win on the Georgia first half full game, and we bet the over. But going to Jeff Beck, wasn't Eric Clapton in the Yardbirds as well? He was, and Jimmy Page. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Now, you know, they weren't there all together, but yeah, it. Um, they 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 basically really got their their start uh, w- with that band, and um, you know, I 
he just went too soon. 78 years young is, is not enough as far as I'm concerned. So sad news in uh, the history of rock and roll. All right, so the college football season is over. You got a breathe easy game on Monday night. Yeah, it was easy money. I didn't expect it to be that easy, but we'll take it anytime you can make some money on the first half wager, full game, and the total. I mean, uh, it was a great fo- college football season. Hopefully, the NFL playoffs finish the same way. We got a ton of action Saturday, Sunday, and on Monday we got some action as well. So. Yeah, we definitely do. I, I saw earlier today, uh, you know, who knows what Chicago's going to do. They have a quarterback, they could draft. Obviously, um, they could go to Alabama and draft the quarterback, but I see that you took Jalen Carter today. You got a pretty good wage on it. Yeah, I took him at plus 900. I took him again at plus 8, all the way down to plus 550. I think he goes number one. Yeah. Is this something you do yearly this early out, or is this kind of a just a hunch you have this season? No. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people, and I got that kind of feeling, and you know, it all depends on uh, the price, and I thought that was a great price. I thought we're stealing it, plus 900, and that's what this business is all about. All right, there you have it. We're the Philly Godfather. All right, let's get to the big one here coming up on Saturday night for a second consecutive week. Jacksonville in prime time. This time it is a playoff game. Feels like the early money's been on L.A. I've seen minus one, minus one and a half, minus two. What's the latest there as far as this game? Yeah, there's been a ton of movement here on the side since it originally opened up. It opened up charges minus two and a half offshore. The price dropped to as low as a pick on the 10th of January before it slowly shot back up to where it appears to have stabilized. In the, you know, in the market with the charges being a small two-point road favorite here. Uh, bet split so far, like you said, offshore and in Vegas from the guys I talked to, no surprise, as the Jags are the Rodney Dangerfield of this year's AFC playoffs getting no respect as the number one seed at home. Almost uh, seven out of every ten tickets played so far have been on uh, Justin Herbert's lightning bolts. Uh, Rick, I mean, if Joey Bosa wasn't practicing fully, I would have looked to take the Jags plus three on the bye at home, but he appears to be healthy, which is scary because with him in the lineup, the Chargers' sack percentage has doubled over recent play from 7.34% to 14.29%. That's a massive jump. And I guarantee he's going to be bringing the heat on Trevor Lawrence. So instead, I, I played the Jags in a seven-point teaser with the Bengals. Uh, I'm also keeping an eye out on Mike Williams to see, you know, if he gives it a go, how healthy he is. So the teaser is basically Bengals at a pick and the Jags plus nine going through those key numbers of three and seven, which are so key uh, with a home team and a young quarterback in the playoffs here. I kind of like the extra insurance in this spot against a gunslinger like Justin Herbert. I also like the under 47 and a half here. Both defenses are playing better than the first time they met up when they put up a combined 48 points in that blowout uh, win for the Jags. Over recent play, these two defenses are giving up an average of just 10.5 points per game combined. And if you take away that Chargers meaningless loss to the Broncos, it dips down to an average of just 8 points per game combined over recent play. So I like the Jags in the teaser. I like the under 47 and a half. Right, very interesting. That's the first time in a very long time that I've heard you play a teaser of, of any uh, a claim. In this point, you're going to take what? Tennessee, uh, excuse me, you're going to take Jacksonville getting seven points, and then you're going to take Cincinnati. What will that be down to? Basically a pick'em? Uh, yeah, basically a pick'em and a Jags plus nine because the line's up to two now. So you're okay. getting seven points on top of what the number is. All right, plus nine with a seven-point teaser, according to the Philly Godfather, along with Cincinnati, which basically becomes a pick'em. It looks like Baltimore is not going to have Lamar Jackson. We'll know for sure later in the week. All right, let's go down the road. Monday night, Tampa playing host to Dallas. Uh, every single one of these games, as we know, is is a rematch. Um, 
you know, the Cowboys has done some nice things outside of when they played here about a month ago. Tampa is an ugly team to watch, and I just don't know what to make out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, this ain't an easy game to handicap. Offshore opened up the Cowboys as three-point road favorites. And surprisingly, Sharp Money immediately jumped on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, which forced bookmakers to drop this line down below that key number of three. As of right now, it's Cowboys minus two and a half, juiced minus 15 cents almost everywhere. Uh, when it comes to the total, it's painted 45 and a half across your screen. Man, uh, I'm not betting against Brady. I learned a long time ago, I mean, if you do that, you end up going broke. Tampa has number one offensive line when it comes to pass protection. Their offense has picked up the pace over recent play, averaging almost a yard more per play than the Cowboys' offense in that same time span. Uh, I think the Cowboys are less disciplined, will make more mistakes. Dak has thrown an interception in each of his last seven games. I mean, he hasn't been playing well at all. Uh, I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay here at plus three if the number goes back up. I also, what I really like here is the over. Mm-hmm. Uh, 45 and a half feels a little light to me, considering you have number one and number four ranked offensive lines in the NFL when it comes to pass protection, which should give both these quarterbacks time to throw the ball and move the ball down the field very efficiently. Uh, both teams' pass defense sack rate over recent play has actually seen a huge drop-off. The Cowboys have gone from an average of 8.94% to 4.85%, while the Buccaneers have gone from 7.32 to 4.24. So there's something going on with both teams' pass defenses. I like the over 45 they score some points here. I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay. There's some sharp money on Tampa Bay. I'm not betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people have, as, as you pointed out, and they've uh, ended up being a loser uh, outside of perhaps uh, a couple of teams, New York and, of course, Doug Peterson and Philadelphia. Uh, Philly Godfather, give us your uh, your information for our listeners out there so they can get a hold of you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. We give out a bunch of free stuff all the time. Or stop by thephillygodfather.com for all your sports betting. Last several years, Wild Card Weekend, you know, hasn't been overly kind to home teams. That that changed a year ago. Five of the six home teams were winners. I, I know you don't play trends. I understand you play numbers. Does that have any effect on any of your plays this weekend? Absolutely not. It's all about the price. It's all about how good these teams are playing over recent play. Who's in? Who's out? Who's banked up? Uh, stuff to that nature. And like I said, uh, you know, the point spread is a great equalizer. Uh, you, you told us about Cincinnati, part of a seven-team teaser that you are playing with Jacksonville. Is there another game that you like this week, Philly Godfather, that we didn't mention? I bet it early. I bet Buffalo minus 10. The line dropped down to nine after I bet it, which surprised me, and now shot back up to 13. I think they're just going to destroy that team. There's so much emotion there. There's so much going on. Miami's all banked up. I can't see Miami staying within the number. Yeah, <laughs> with, with Skyler <laughs> Thompson, man, good luck in that with that crowd. And uh, as, they didn't need any extra emotion, but they're certainly going to get it uh, after what happened a couple of weeks ago. So that'll be interesting. The first game coming up on Sunday. All right, uh, as as we let you go, Philly Godfather. Once again, your information out there for our listeners. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. Stop by the phillygodfather dot com. Best of luck in your plays, Philly Godfather. We'll talk next week before the divisional round. Good luck, guys. There he goes, Philly Godfather. And one of the first times that I ever remember him playing a tease. I've talked with him for years. He's playing a seven-point tease. He cha- he's taking Jacksonville plus two, making it plus nine. And he's taking that pick with Baltimore and Cincinnati, making it 
you know, uh, getting seven points. I, I see Cincinnati as high as eight. I see a Cincinnati here minus eight and a half. Okay, um, but it, it, the Philly Godfather got it earlier, so we got it as a pick 'em, uh, moving it seven points. For those who don't know what a seven point tease is, and 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 it almost sounds too easy. It's not because what you have to do now is you Never have to win easy. two games as opposed to one. Betting's hard enough. And so here's the deal. A teaser is different than a parlay. A parlay, you know, the Jags are a one-point underdog. You take the Jags as a one-point underdog, and then you take the Bucks as a three-point underdog. You have to have both teams um, cover, and then you'll get really good odds. It's yeah. not like for every dollar you bet you'll get a dollar. It no, might no, no. be for every dollar you get two or three dollars. But a tease is completely different. A tease, they're giving you extra points. So you get the Jags with six extra points as you would, and then you get the Bucks with six extra points. But if you win, you don't get nearly as much as if you just did a normal parlay. You might get one-to-one odds instead of one-to-two, one-to-three. The parlays, to me, are it's kind of like funny money. You know, it's kind of like stupid money. Don't expect to win. Especially if you play a four, five, six, oh, yeah. seven game parlay. A two game parlay is a little bit different, but you know you risk uh, you, you risk very little, and and the reward is going to be plentiful. Uh, the seven point or eight point tees or six point tees, no matter which one that you actually do purchase, to me has always. And I did a little bit of this back in the day, back in college, and and uh, you know back when I was bartending. It's so hard to win one game. Now you have to win two. Exactly. And and that's why I've never been a big fan of the tees. But he's taken this Jacksonville line, and instead of having it at plus two, he is going to make it plus nine. He basically gets Cincinnati as a pick He also put early money in on the top overall pick being Jalen Carter out of Georgia. He got that at plus 900. So, again, you lay down 100 bucks, you're winning back 900 bucks. That That's, would be shocking to me. If he goes number one? Yeah, just because yeah. I would expect somebody to trade up. But at that, that value, can't hate on that. As we get ready to head to the break, I actually put one of these two out on Twitter earlier today. M- most receiving yards, okay, during wild card weekend. And, you know, some of these odds – I don't love, I, you know, the risk isn't worth the reward. 10 to 1 for Trevor Lawrence. All right, you lay down $100, he wins it, you know, you, you make it 1000 bucks. But he's got to throw for the most yardage. And in my opinion, the quarterback who throws for the most yardage this weekend is probably going to be on a losing team. Now, I, I know you can say, well, wait a minute here, you can really make a case for, for Burrow or make a case for... Kirk Cousins, especially if uh, if Cook doesn't have a big game. But I, I think you're going to see the most passing yards coming from a losing team. We'll check. All right? We'll review it on uh, on Tuesday after Monday night's game. But when you get to receiving yards, you got all the heavy hitters high. You know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, C.D. Lamb. You go all the way down to Christian Kirk, 18-1 to 1 odds. I like that. What if that again is the definition of very low risk? Lay down a buck, okay? Lay down a hundred dollars. You, you're, you know, eighteen to one. You lay down one dollar, you're getting back eighteen. You lay down ten, you're getting a hundred, hundred and eighty. You lay down a, 
1,000, you get an 18,000. Very low risk. Uh, it's even better for Zay Jones. Zay Jones is 33 to 1. I don't like the number on Travis Etienne, 13 to 2. You know, you basically, you're only getting back six and a half on a wager. The, to me, that's not. Is that to lead in rushing? To lead in rushing. He's fourth. All right. And, and again, I, JJ, a lot of this is because Los Angeles can't stop the run. Worst, uh, probably the worst left in the playoffs against the run. Barkley's the leading. <laughs> Barkley's number one. Which is what? weird because if they go down exactly. in the game, they're, they're not going to be running. Them. Exactly. So what the odds makers are saying here is that, you know, Minnesota's only a three-point indoor favorite. They really believe that this is going to be a close game because they have Barkley as the man who is going to has the best odds to lead wild card weekend in yardage. There's no way I play Saquon Barkley because of what you just said. I, I envision New York trailing, and they're going to have to pass in the second half. Uh, I don't exactly have a lot of faith in the Vikings to be leading that whole game, so I, you know, maybe not a crazy bet. Dalvin Cook is two. Okay. At five to one. And then you got a tie for three. Travis Etienne and Christian McCaffrey. And can you make the case that McCaffrey's not a great play because San Francisco gets out to a big lead and you sit down Christian McCaffrey in the second half? Or that they just use him as a target a lot instead of just handing it off. Mm-hmm. And then with Dallas, they split carries. I don't think you would bet on Fournette. <laughs> I'd tell you who I like here. And I know he's been nicked, but Tony Pollard's a sixteen to one, and I, I I'm gonna have to check the health on him. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I haven't been all over the Dallas. As a matter of fact, I don't even think they've had one yet since they play on Monday. I I believe their first injury report will come out uh, today. But there you go. So you know, have some fun with it if you play it. I, I just love how people grind with like the top player or top team. Yet your reward is very bland. You know, it's not a lot. It, it, when you do things like this, I've always been a big fan of, of, of trying to find a wild card. Try to find something that, all right, everything's got to come together, but the reward on it is, is huge. All right, thank you to the Philly Godfather. John Osher coming up this hour. Your thoughts coming up this hour, 641-1010 on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Quick reminder, tomorrow, 6 to 8, Mr. Chubby's Wings in Pontevedra will be out there tomorrow from 6 until 8. Now, yeah. another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Celebrating the life of Jeff Beck. Passed last night at the age of 78. I believe I was with John Osher at Wembley Stadium when Jeff Beck played before a Jaguars game a few years back. And John Osher joins us now, senior writer, Jaguars.com, Into the Night with Rick Ballou. Um, I don't know if you remember that, John, but Jeff was wailing right there at Wembley. Yeah, I do, and uh, I I actually hadn't heard that, and 
until until you just mentioned it. That I missed it. That's that's too bad. He was he was a uh, he was a guitar god uh, when guitar gods matter. Yeah, that was well said. I mean, he's he's right there, and, and he didn't go to the 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 huge band like so many of the others right. did. You know, he was with the Yardbirds. He was with um, you know the Jeff, Jeff Beck band. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Rod Stewart is the singer. You know. Yeah, but he was right there. You know, uh, Jimmy Page, Clapton. I mean, that was his era, his wheelhouse. And uh, it's too bad. Too yep. bad. R.I.P., obviously. No doubt about it. John, here we are. It's amazing. Uh, I'm trying not to look back to week three. And it's really, for me, it's ironic because typically when we look back, it's bad news. You know, it's, oh, they didn't play well. This happened. How do you fix things? It's the exact opposite now. They played arguably their best 60-minute game of the year. From the time that the you know toe met leather until the, the the final second went off the clock, uh, Doug Peterson has pushed all the right buttons and done so many things this year. So how do you get to that type of of message to this uh, to this group of let's not read the the press clippings of what happened back in week three? Well, I think it's pretty easy because I think players in that game, Jaguars players, generally realize okay we played great. We handled them, but they're smart. They also know Bosa left the game early. They, the Herbert ribs was a huge storyline beforehand, and although he had good stats, I think it was obvious that he was not 100%. And then Keenan Allen didn't play, and they had some offensive line issues. So I think, I think players generally know, hey, uh, I think if they had beat them healthy, then maybe what you're talking, uh, talking about is an issue. But I don't think it's uh, I don't think that's an issue this week. And also, they're just coming off a game mm-hmm. where they sort of handled Tennessee up there and came back, and it was it it was not a handling situation. So if, if Peterson has anything to point to, he just says, "Hey, look at Tennessee." Yeah. So I, I don't see that being a problem. I I think they're going to play confident. I I think they're going to play much more aggressive and bold than they did against Tennessee. Uh, I think it'll be a higher scoring game. And if, if they lose, which I, I think it's a toss-up game, but I, I don't think these outside things that we're all talking about are going to be a thing. I think it's two evenly matched teams. One of them is going to win, uh, and it'll be decided on the field. I'm trying to think of a playoff game here. I mean, obviously the last home playoff game was Buffalo, and they brought a lot of fans. I mean, would there will there be a 1,000 Los Angeles fans at this game? Well, I would think the fans would be more of the type of uh, – you know, every team's got fans somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you're the Jaguars and you go to Seattle, even if they don't travel, there's going to be a handful of Jaguars fans because people move in this day and age. But I don't think you're going to have a uh, a faction of fans traveling down. They're not a fan base like Pittsburgh or, you know, all the traditional ones that are going to have a legion of fans. I think it'll, I think it's going to feel a lot like Tennessee. Uh, where, I mean, there were a handful, but they didn't move the needle. Uh, I think you're going to see more and more of that in Jacksonville now because when teams are good, the local fans, it becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it's going to feel. I mean, even Buffalo, remember, Rick, there were a lot of uh, Buffalo fans there, but it it was not this Buffalo takeover that the Buffalo fans like to talk about. It was a Jaguars crowd. And when you were watching that game, you never got the idea that uh, Buffalo's fans were dominating the situation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I think it's going to be I think it's going to be chaotic, much like it was the other night. I think it's going to be pro Jags. I think the crowd's going to be a factor, and it's going to feel that energy. I think it's going to be that way around here for a long time. And it made a difference, uh, particularly on defense. Really made a difference uh, with that home crowd this past Saturday. Uh, John Osher, I guess, senior writer, Jaguars dot com, with Rick Belich, and every Wednesday right here at 7 o'clock. You know, when, when I look at this team, so many more similarities than differences. You know, two brilliant young quarterbacks. They do a lot of the same things. But the one area that really sticks out is L.A., statistically speaking, can't stop the run. Jacksonville, statistically speaking, can't stop the pass. Yeah, and that kind of feels like uh, where the game's going to be decided. That Last week... What Doug Peterson has done a nice job of this year, I think a lot of good offensive coaches do, whatever is working that week, they're going to work it. Like It's an unbelievably balanced, capable offense for not having been together a year ago, meaning they have three receivers, the Jaguars, who can all make plays. You all feel like they can light it up any time. You're also not really surprised when Travis Etienne goes for 140. Mm-hmm. You know, they've shown they can do all that. Uh, so I think... I, I think it's going to be a don't worry about the stats from the last game for Travis Etienne. Once they figured out they were going to be able to to run, Jaguars said, okay, we're going to pass. I think they're going to be a balanced offense this week. I think Etienne's going to get 100, have a couple of long runs. They need that to be the case against this team because uh, if it's not that kind of game for Etienne, I think they're in trouble. You and I all year have talked about run-pass, pass-run, uh, the relationship there, and, and what is this team's identity, and how do you change it game to game. I, I can't get over this number. The Chargers are allowing 5.4 yards per carry defensively. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think it could be that kind of a game for the Jags. Uh, and there were a couple of games earlier that felt like this. It just felt like ETN was breaking them off left and right. Uh, and, and that was what it was. Now, the Chargers are, are the kind of team, they'll sort of allow that with the idea that your quarterback's not going to go off and beat you. They don't mind uh, a slow death defensively as, as long as they're not giving up huge plays, as long as they're giving, giving up huge touchdowns. So that's part of what they are. Um, but, I, again, I think ETN's going to have that kind of a game with the idea, sort of like we talked about some against the Texans this year, I think the key for the Jaguars, I don't think it's going to be hard for them to move the ball. How are they in the red zone? If they've got it inside the red zone four times, they need to get three touchdowns out of that. You know, you can't have a game where you're coming away with three points in the red zone because then all of a sudden I think the Chargers are going to score enough to get away from you. Red zone offense, as is with most games, red zone offense is key for the Jags this week. And they were good there in in L.A., remember? I mean, Mm -hmm. they converted the short passes. They got uh, some short touchdown passes in the red zone. I think they have to have that kind of game to win this on, on Saturday night. Doug Peterson, 4-2 and two, is a head coach in the playoffs. He's won a Super Bowl. This is it for Brandon Staley. This is his first ever playoff game as a coach. Yeah, and uh, oh, we had Bucky Brooks of the Huddle Up podcast this afternoon, NFL Network. He did a great job analyzing this sort of thing. Uh, he thinks that's a big deal. Uh, you know, the Neither one of these teams is experiencing the playoffs. But Doug Peterson, in terms of knowing when to go for it, knowing when to, how to be aggressive in the playoffs, feeling that kind of a playoff game, uh, you know, could be a big deal. I think I think Doug's going to be aggressive. Uh, both these coaches are aggressive, uh, but but I do think Doug's playoff experience and the fact that they're at home, 
I think those two things are the big factors. Remember, uh, this is Herbert's first playoff game, too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's Lawrence's first playoff game. I think the Jaguars, I'm usually somebody who thinks the speed of the game goes way up in the playoffs. Because players talk about it all the time. But that game last week was a win and in and felt like a playoff game. I think the Jaguars have playoff experience going into this. The Chargers have the last game of last season as their playoff experience uh, when they lost to the Raiders. Yeah. So I think, to me, if you're looking for edges, I think this five-game run, I think this does favor the Jaguars on Saturday. I, no argument here. Uh, John, last one for you. That is defending Austin Eckler. I mean, my goodness, man, nearly 1,000 yards rushing, and then he caught 107 footballs this year for 722 yards. Uh, this guy can, you know, get it done from really anywhere on the football field. What, what do you believe there? How are they going to try to D up against Eckler? Well, I think uh, you've got a situation where Jaguars have been vulnerable to screens this year, but they haven't played a guy like this. I think it will be part of their game plan. Stopping the screen, stopping Eckler will be a major focal point. So I think you got to get the linebackers. you got to get them running. Uh, but I think overall, the reality is, I think the Chargers are going to score. Uh, you know, unlike these last uh, few games where the Jaguars offensively could go in and say, hey, if we get to 22 or 23, we're probably going to win. I think the Jaguars offensively have to play defense, if you will. It's meaning, I think the Jaguars offensively have to go in with the idea of getting to 27, getting to 31, winning a shootout. The interesting thing to me, Rick, this is a Jaguars team that's sort of shown they can win both ways this year. Yeah. yeah. In the last three weeks, they have won games. They beat Tennessee playing Tennessee football on Saturday, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because Tennessee plays that kind of game really well and they won it. But the Jaguars also beat the Cowboys. They beat the Ravens in a shootout. They beat the Raiders in a shootout. I I don't think they're going to be uncomfortable outscoring a team. And that's what they're going to have to do. I think the Chargers might get four touchdowns. The Jaguars might get five. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, you look over the last five games, and I, I've been talking about it this week. Jacksonville's allowed 15.6 points in their last five games. L.A.'s allowed 15, yet I'm with you. I think this is going to end up being a high-scoring game. I, I, I Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, I think you're going to have to score in the 30s to win on Saturday. Yeah, and I, and I think the Jaguars are, are well-prepared for that in this sense, Rick, and they'll let you go. Um, they're a defense. I've been saying this all week. Even when you told these guys in week eight that they weren't very good, they didn't believe you. They have sort of this confidence, no matter what's going on, that they're going to make a play. So if they give up three touchdowns, I, I think Rashawn Jenkins is going to come out on the, on, on the fourth series and say, we're still going to get a pick. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll serve them well because I, I think it's going to be a break-serve kind of defensive game. There's a team that makes the big play and keeps playing is going to win this game, and that's how the Jaguars have played all year. I, I, I see a close game, high scoring. The Jaguars get a big play late to win. John, always a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I'll see you over there real soon. Look forward to it, buddy. Thank there, you. There he goes, John Osher, senior writer, Jaguars.com. Uh, both teams plus five in the turnover-takeaway ratio. Jacksonville 27 on the year. But, again, plus five. I'm not sure how many uh, with the turnover-to-takeaway numbers were for L.A., but I do know that they are plus five uh, overall. It's really, uh, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you if you study numbers, and I do. And you heard the Philly Godfather 
late last hour say he erased in his analysis the 31-28 loss to Denver. He just wiped that one out. Even if you include that in the 31 points that L.A. gave up, you look at their last five games. They allowed 31 points. They allowed 10 against the Rams in a victory. They allowed three at Indianapolis, okay, in a 23 victory. They allowed 14 against Tennessee in a 17-14 win. And another playoff team, Miami, at home in L.A., they allowed only 17 in a 23-17 game. So, I mean, look at what they've done. 17-14-3-10, you you include that 31. That's 15 points over their last five. Yet, I think it's going to take double that. I do. I And I, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give probably give my official score tomorrow. I'm not going to hold out too much longer on it. I do want to get one more day's worth of finding out what's happening in Los Angeles, uh, particularly with, you know, the, the injury front. And, you know, you got to check what's going on with Mike Williams. They're much better with Williams on one side and Allen on the other. And obviously Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. But, you know, right now Jacksonville's the healthier football team. And that is good news. So something to look at. And, you know, you heard the Philly Godfather say he's playing the under. He likes the under the 47 and a half. I really like the over here. I do. I think this game, um, again, is going to end up in the 60s. I, I really did. Now, I could be dead wrong. I mean, for the record, last week I called for a woodshed, right? Didn't I call a 31-14 game? Didn't work out that way. It ended up being, what, 20-16. to 16. So I had a 17-point victory. It ended up being a four-point victory. We'll see what happens coming up on Saturday. All right, let's get much more from you. 641 1010 is the best way for you to join us on the text line that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We're with you tonight up until 8 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. baby making music I would agree Jeff Beck all gone 78 sad day in the history of rock and roll the guitarist is singing to you this is the song they're going to be playing the charters when we put them to sleep on Saturday night Saturday's going to be lit, no doubt about it. The environment is going to be spectacular. Hardly any L.A. fans. I've had a lot of people ask me about what's going on and this and that, who's playing uh, pregame, national anthem, and all of that. I'd tell you, but I'd have to kill you. It's not Jeff Beck. <laughs> it was not me. I'm sorry. That was to. J.J. <laughs> The ink is barely dry if on, the, you were listening. on the new contract here. <laughs> if you were listening to the end of the Frangie show, they basically gave it away. I don't know if they gave it away. Uh, I'm not saying anything. I, I, I'm, staying, uh, I'm staying true to it all. 63.75 says, uh, Baloo, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Win or lose this week, 
this season has been a great success. But moving to the divisional week, we should be rooting for any wild card team to get a win so we don't get matched up against the Chiefs. No doubt about it. But here's the problem. Who? Miami's going with a third-string quarterback in Skylar Thompson, and you got to win in Buffalo. Okay? The, the, the only, the, the tiny, the littlest of case that I could make is that it's a 1 o'clock game in Buffalo, so, so Bill's Mafia is not totally, completely liquored up compared to it being a 4.30 game or an 8.15 game. But Miami winning in Buffalo? Not going to happen. For the third time now, we're going to get a Baltimore-Cincinnati game. Cincinnati up to around eight, eight and a half. And, you know, this is a divisional rival. Uh, you can make a case, I guess, for Baltimore. But Lamar Jackson is not playing. And well, we don't know that for sure. But right now it feels like he's not going to be able to give it a go. And it's going to be uh, Tyler Hunter uh, who will be, or Huntley, who will be the starting quarterback. So, if you, and again, enjoy today, enjoy tomorrow, enjoy Friday, enjoy all Saturday, win the game. That's what it's about. You can't control what others are doing, but it doesn't bode well to know that if you need one of these two wild card teams to win on the road, both teams are going to have to do it with a backup quarterback against arguably two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, not named Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. So that is going to be very difficult. I give Miami no shot, none. I mean, 99.9% to Buffalo. I, the Ravens, man, they would have to play about their perfect football game. Uh, but if you look at the 14 coaches that – this weekend, there's, what, five of them with a Super Bowl ring, right? Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, uh, you've got Pete Carroll, you've got John Harbaugh, and you've got Mike McCarthy. Now, you got guys who have been on staffs that have won Super Bowls, like Todd Bowles, a couple years ago in Tampa. I think coaching really matters this time of year. And as I said earlier, five brand-new head coaches – in the playoffs this year for the first time, and that includes Doug Peterson. The other coaches, though, are you know, Todd Bowles was a head coach, as we know, uh, in New York, but Brian Dayball, first-time head coach, Mike McDaniel, first-time head coach, Kevin McDonald, or Kevin O'Donnell, let me try that again, Kevin O'Connell, a first-time head coach, and, you know, Brandon Staley. This is his first-ever playoff game. So, out of the five new coaches, you have four of them, or let's make it three of them, who are coaching in their first ever playoff game. Uh, Todd Bowles, man, did he ever get through with the Jets? I got to believe no way. He never got to the playoffs with the Jets, so I guess it would be a fourth first-time head coach going to the playoffs for the first time. Obviously, Doug Peterson, the exception of the rule. This will be his seventh playoff game. He is 4-2 and two lifetime in the playoffs. And to me, you know, that actually uh, does mean something. Uh, 2389, I'm pulling the love on lock. I can from the beloved Duval, as well as my friends and family in Tallahassee. We're going to have a, 
combination Florida State Jaguar. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting a lot of that too. A lot of the whole Florida State Jaguar thing uh, next year. And win or lose on Saturday, this is gravy. It is. This was not expected. Uh, again, I don't like saying anyone or everyone or or things like that. Everybody, anybody, but or no one or nobody. But come on, I mean, you people know it. This team. I mean, we were talking six wins. We were talking seven wins. I can look at my preseason picks right here. I saved them, JJ. I don't know if you did. I had the Jaguars going six and eleven. Same. Six and eleven. And then around. You know, November 1st-ish, late October, we're wondering, wow, are they even going to get to six? I still can't believe this team's turnaround. I cannot believe losing five in a row and then coming back, being down 17 nothing to the Raiders, and then you get just torched by Detroit. I mean, you got destroyed by Detroit. Not only that, remember the feeling that you had in the pit of your stomach during the Detroit game when Trevor got rolled up on. And you're like, not only are they going to get killed in this game, the season's a wrap. Trevor might not be back by training camp. Like, all of that had to have been going through your head. And now they're, you know, one-point underdog, basically a pick against the Chargers in the playoffs at home. This whole AFC situation with quarterbacks is uh, is filthy. It's unfair. And Tua, you know, we don't know what's up. You know, a lot of people are calling for Tua to to wrap it up and call it a career um, because of, you know, his issues. Which don't you love media members telling someone else? With concussions. Retire. I've actually seen some quite players. a few former players put it on Twitter. You know, I mean, it's a... It, how, how many concussions did, you know, guys have during their career? I understand three in one year is a lot, and he probably needs to sit it out the rest of the year. But, I mean, to act like you know what's going on with someone else's health is outrageous. Well, let's be honest, man. It's money. You know, I mean, the money he's going to make as a starting quarterback, it's... How can you turn that down? He, well, he's only in his rookie deal. Now, that should be good enough to live your life off of. But it's not always the case. Again, these aren't... Uh, these aren't David Carr, uh, Jamarcus Russell, uh, Achilles Smith... You know, Cade McNown type of, <laughs> of first round Joey Harrington contracts. It's a slotted Times have system. Changed. Absolutely. Uh, so he will have made, if he calls it a wrap, he'll have made $25.5 Which probably gets slashed right in half before you finish the sentence. When, Maybe, but living here, it certainly helps. Okay, yeah. But when you, uh, you know, Uncle Sam. He's going to get his. Yeah. Plus his agent, you know, his agent. Uh, that money gets cut pretty quick. I mean, we all know you want to live for that second contract. Absolutely. And and this year is going to be just so incredibly bizarre. As a matter of fact, you know, Jacksonville for the first time in a few years now is is going to have to navigate navigate through some difficult waters on how to restructure some contracts. Uh, who do they want to hold on to? Who are they going to let go? I really get a feeling that what you're going to see once free agency begins is all of a sudden people want to come here and play. Okay. It's a winning ticket today about, uh, I did in Arizona. Absolutely. 
I did. I mean, you got a young team, you got a 23-year-old quarterback, and you got a coach, and word spreads quickly. You got a coach who's a player's coach who they want to play for, plus you have no state tax. People are going to want to come here. Um, But, I mean, look at what's going to happen. Lamar Jackson could be a free agent. Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. Daniel Jones is a free agent. Tom Brady is a free agent. Aaron Rodgers could be traded. What is Chicago going to do at number one? Do you draft the quarterback or do you stay with Justin Fields? I mean, the, the obvious answer would be get blown away by a team that's going to give you, you know, multiple first-round picks and a player. But the point I'm trying to make, and I want to get off it because the Jaguars do have a playoff game in a couple of nights, this entire division is in need of a quarterback. All right? Tennessee, Tannehill, uh-uh. Malik Willis, it doesn't appear so. Josh Dobbs, I don't think so. Houston, Davis Mills, I mean, it, n- no, not not in Houston. Indianapolis, I think Matt Ryan retires. Your entire division is going to have to go out and get some quarterback play. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you hear the name Aaron Rodgers possibly being traded to an Indianapolis or to a Tennessee. I'd be shocked if he went to Houston. Absolutely, totally surprised if that would be the case. Or like but, a Derek Carr. Yeah. Derek Carr's available. Jimmy G. Yep. Proven starters who win in this league. Andy Dalton. Uh, Jameis. Jameis a backup this year. I mean, and the point I'm trying to make is that there's really, out of 32 teams, there's maybe 10 Ten teams right now out of the 32 that you can look at and say they are right now set for their quarterback in 2023, okay? And six or seven of them are in the AFC. Geno Smith's a free agent in Seattle. The guy had unbelievable numbers this year. You know, what what are they going to do with Jared Goff in Detroit? The only quarterbacks for sure that you can look at in the NFC and say they're there for the long period of time are Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Am I wrong? Kirk Cousins? And imagine if Dak lays an egg this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of Cowboy fans upset about that. I, with Goff, you got to keep Goff. I mean, this guy, if you look at his numbers this year, outrageous. And it came out of nowhere. I mean, you got to run it back at least one more year with Goff. I mean, New England doesn't know what they're doing. They're making – they're making household changes on their offensive coaching staff. There's been rumors that that's where Bill O'Brien is going. The Jets, who, who the hell knows what they're going to – who knows what Miami's going to have to do with Tua. It, it's, it's, so, yeah, I mean, the long-winded answer is this is such a great time for Jacksonville because this is gravy. This is unexpected. This team next year, you better get ready for it, okay? You're going to be without any question – the pick to win the AFC South. All right? Um, and who knows? Maybe deep into the playoffs, it's it's definitely going to be the case. And you're right. going to have Ridley, you're going to have Hopkins. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. You're going to have Ingram back. <laughs> How are you going to afford Ridley and Hopkins and then bring back Ingram? I don't know. But all of a sudden, Roy Robertson-Harris is playing better football. Can you redo his deal? Can you redeal, uh, redo the deal of Rayshon Jenkins? Do you think after the way that Josh Allen has played down the stretch here that that you're not going to try to get a deal done 
with him, again, he's not a sack artist, okay? But every week that goes by, he's going to be more expensive. Now, you picked up his fifth-year option. You can do that. You could place a franchise tag on him in 2024. You could do that. But if you tr- and and you know what, in a way, I I, I kind of would because I'm still a little bit hesitant with him years and years down the road if he can get two years. But you know, when you put that franchise tag, you know what happens to these guys; they lose their marbles. Even if you're getting paid around twenty million dollars for one season, it it never seems to be. It's just one season. Yeah, a pleasant deal. These guys want guaranteed money. And, you know, four-year contracts. I look at Josh Allen as a guy that I do not think would be disruptive to this organization. But you never know. You know, the agent's going to be feeding his, uh, you know, feeding him info and whatever. So that's, that's down the road. But, I mean, this is a great time to be a Jaguar fan. This is just absolutely spectacular. Uh, the biggest thing that I hope happens is that they keep not the biggest thing, one of the biggest things. Keep the staff together for a year. Seriously. Keep the, particularly the offensive staff. Keep it together for at least one more year, and then it becomes a badge of honor if all of a sudden teams are knocking on the door saying, hey, Press Taylor is being interviewed for this particular job. I mean, remember when Coughlin had it, and all of a sudden it's Gilbride and it's uh, Chris Palmer, and it's uh, Dom Capers, and it's Dick Geron, and you, you having all these coaches that are, that are interviewing for – neither one of them did anything, successfully speaking, in the NFL, but it's still a great mark. Other coaches are going to want to come here because they know if you perform well, you're going to get an opportunity to be a head coach. All right, I've overshot this runway. Let's take a break. My name's Rick Bullitt. The night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Goodbye to Rod. Uh, excuse me. Goodbye to Jeff Beck. Passed last night at the age of 78. We played nonstop Jeff Beck on guitar. Yardbirds, Jeff Beck. Group, among others, um, Thirty-five twenty-two says, Rick, I understand your hesitation to reveal who is going to perform musically on Saturday night, but I know that you hang out with Brian Johnson and Rob Halford. So who is it, ACDC or Judas Priest? Well done. Well done, Thirty-five twenty-two. Um, 85-69, Blue Jags should trade Cam Robinson for an early second-round pick, let Walker Little play left tackle, and re-sign Juwan Taylor. Easier said than done. Well, it is easier now because Jacksonville's going to have a later second-round pick as compared to a, you know, what it's been like the last couple of years. We had the top pick in the second round. Here's a guy who's at a torn ACL. Here's a guy now fighting off a meniscus. So I'll, on both, you know, separate knees. This knee now is different from the torn ACL. I don't know if he can fetch you a second-round pick. I think that's wishful thinking on, on your part. Um, I don't want to get into that stuff. That, that's not the Jaguars. 
Uh, you know, that's going to about do it anyway for us. Uh, Hackers coming up here in, in, uh, in just a couple of minutes. I do want to remind you, come on out tomorrow night. I mean, for crying out loud, it's a playoff feel. We're at Mr. Chubby's, Ponte Vedra. We're out there six to eight. Then have two-to-one drafts, two-for-one pitchers, domestics for you. That includes Miller Lite, $3 wells, $3 wines. And it's a family restaurant, man. It's a great time out there. Did it get cold again today? I took a walk at Michael's Beach today, man. I good thing I brought my Miller Lite uh, hoodie because I, I like needed how you it. Stay representing everywhere you go. Everywhere I go, I pump a sponsor. <laughs> I love that. If you're if you're one of my clients, you're one of my sponsors, and you don't give me swag, that's on you. Free advertising. Mm-hmm. I heard it's going to be like 30s on Saturday night. <laughs> Talk, I, I hope I'm wrong about that. Talking to my buddy Tom at the Blue Crab Crab House, they're still behind the eight ball, you know, trying to get permits and this and that, but I get asked all the time. And they'll be up at some point in 2023. I miss them. I can't remember the last time I've had crab legs. I can't remember the last time I've had oysters or, you know, clams on the half shell. So look forward to that coming up as well. All right, the big story today for Jacksonville Really, the best news is today, place kicker Riley Patterson was uh, a full go with his knee. So he was a big upgrade on the injury report for Los Angeles. Unfortunately for them, on consecutive days now, the very talented wide receiver, Mike Williams, with his back, unable to play. If he can't go on Saturday night, Brandon Staley's going to get crushed, all right? Uh, You know, we talked about the Houston game and whether or not to play him or to not play him. Everyone's got an opinion on this. It also is like going for it on fourth down or going for a two-point conversion. I love fandom when if it goes wrong, the entire planet changes their opinion. The same thing's going to happen here. Why was Joey Boza in the game? He came out with an injury. Why did Austin Eckler take the pounding that he did? Came out of the game. Mike Williams limping, coming out of this game with a bad back in something that wasn't important to L.A. So Brandon Staley, is he's been pretty forthcoming too. He's been pretty transparent so far this week. Uh, with his response to being asked that. But if if they lose, I mean, you really can make the case that if they lose there on Saturday night, that could be it for him. Oh, yeah, definitely. With Sean Payton hovering over L.A.? Especially if Mike Williams says, see, when you go for it on fourth down, you know, there's an upside to that. You get the first down. Mm-hmm. When you play those guys last week, honestly, what's the upside? I, I don't know. I understand, and I took some heat a few weeks ago for saying I wouldn't have played Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence, if at all, certainly not deep into the game, and we saw what happened. They took Etienne out at half. Yep. And they Luckily, tr- they had a big lead. I think Trevor got one series. But they were still in it. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still in the wild card yeah. hunt. Believe it or not. So, Brandon Staley. Uh, yeah, they had nothing to play for last He could be a playoff coach who's out because, you know, who knows what's going on with Sean McVay? Who knows what's going on there? You kind of get the feeling that Sean Payton is going to end up one of those two places. I still think Dallas and Miami could be in the mix, but that may not necessarily be this year. You may have to wait a year. 
uh, for that. All right, thank you to Philly Godfather. Thank you to John Osher. JJ is the producer. Again, tomorrow night, we're out in Ponte Vedra, Mr. Chubby's Wings from 6 to 8. I don't check the text line. If you want to get a hold of me now that the show is over, best way to do it is on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. Talk with you tomorrow at 6 o'clock.